You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at livethemessage.org. Hey, good morning, church. Thank you so much for joining us this morning in this unique format once again. Uh, we are believing God for big things, even in the midst of this unique season. So we're glad that you are a part this morning. You know, as I was praying this morning, I pray, I pray a verse almost every single morning, which is Isaiah chapter 50, verses 4 and 5. And it says, The Sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue, so that I might have a word to sustain the weary. Morning by morning, he wakens me to hear like one being taught. He's opened my ears, and I have not been rebellious. This morning, I've just been praying that God would give me an instructed tongue, so that we might, so I might be able to sustain the weary, so I might be able to bring a word that's, that's encouraging for you this morning. That's my prayer. As we, this morning, continue our series, Ready for Only God, we are going to wrap up um, Exodus chapter 14 and, and the story of God bringing the children of Israel uh, through the Red Sea. I've said, I've said it the last couple of weeks that I really believe for us as a church, this is this moment that we're walking through as a, as a, as a nation and as a world and as, as a church here in Ames, it's like a Red Sea moment of sorts. And so I, I feel like there's so much that we can glean from this passage, from this scripture, and I pray that it's of encouragement to you. I pray that it's, uh, it challenges you this morning. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you go, go ahead and open up to Exodus chapter 14. I believe God has been positioning us for the impossible. He's been positioning us for the miraculous, and this is the way of life for a child of God. God, God does, his desire for us isn't just for us to be able to live our lives in our own strength, in our own natural ways, but it's to press in and depend on him, to live in a way that we're reliant on him. We're stepping out to take risks and to trust him uh, as our provider, as our protector, as our defender. Um, And so as we come to the end of this story, I feel like there's some really amazing challenges that we can take out of it uh, as we we move forward as the children of God in the midst of this crisis. Really, we have no idea how long this is going to go on for. We're all just kind of... we're kind of just being flexible as, as changes come on a weekly basis, sometimes even a daily basis. And, uh, and it seems like all ages are, are beginning to realize that this is, this is a significant shift in our world, a significant shift in our country. Um, even my four-year-old, the other day, we, we overheard her talking to her older sister, and she said, hey, Lucy, are we still going to be able to go on vacation this summer? And me and my wife, we were down the hallway, we overheard that. But even my four-year-old is beginning to realize that that normal life is being disrupted and the closures and the cancellations, they just don't seem to be ending. And, and that's, that's the reality of this current situation. We don't know how long it's going to go on for, but, but I believe in the midst of it, there's some significant things that God wants to challenge us with. There's some significant things that he wants to uh, encourage our hearts with. So, so as we come through this, the church is vibrantly alive. Uh, his bride is, is rearing to go in the days to come, um, because God's not done with us. God is going to redeem this for his glory. He's going to redeem this for his good. What the enemy meant for harm, God's going to redeem it. And uh, so it is here in this Exodus 14 story. There's so much uh, that I believe God wants us to learn from this passage. So let's look at it in Exodus chapter 14 as we wrap it up. In verse 26, this is where we're going to be this morning. You know, the, the children of Israel have been pursued by the Egyptians uh, after God delivered them through the ten plagues, um, they came to encamp at the Red Sea. God made a way through the Red Sea, and they walked through on dry ground. Now they find themselves on the other side of the Red Sea, 
and they have to finish the miracle. They have to uh, finish through with obedience, and we're going to see that this morning. Verse 26, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen. Of all the hosts of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea, not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. And they go on in chapter 15 to sing this beautiful song of worship to the Lord. This is a a monumental moment in the history of Israel. It's an iconic moment. It's a moment they continue to refer back to um, in the history. As the story continues, God's redemptive story continues, the children of Israel continue to look back to this moment as a a life-altering moment uh, for the nation, for the people of God. And, and really, I believe this moment in time, the current pandemic that we're facing, this current crisis that we're facing, and the, the pressing, the squeezing that's happening, even in the church, I believe has the potential to be a life-altering moment for us. But I believe there's more that God wants, more that God wants to uh, bring out of this season than for it just to be uh, a monumental moment that we, that we remember in the past as significant. This morning, I want to this, bring to you this truth that a life-altering moment can be a lifestyle-altering moment if we allow it to be. A life-altering moment can become a lifestyle-altering moment if we allow it to be. And, and I believe in this season that I, I've been sensing as I talk to different church members, different ones of you, as I talk to different uh, leaders on our staff and uh, elders and trustees, that God is doing a refining work in our church. God is calling out of us a a greater intentionality, uh, a greater um, grace to, to press in, press into him with greater fervor and passion. And, and I feel like if we grab a hold of this moment, if we, if we grab a hold of what God wants to, to bring out of it, we're going to be better for it on the other side. And there are some real lifestyle changes that I believe God is bringing about in his church. And for the people of God in this story in Exodus 14, I believe God wanted this to be more than just a life-altering moment more than just a, a memory that they, they look back on fondly. I believe of God's miraculous power, the way he delivered them so powerfully from Egypt. I believe there were certain um, aspects of life, a way of life, lifestyle, that God wanted to implant in the people of God that he reiterates through his redemptive story. And I want to point you to those uh, this morning. There, there's a few. I believe there's, there's a number of them, but we're just right here in these few verses that we looked at. There's a few that I want to highlight. One is, is obedience. And we never graduate from obedience as the people of God. And really, Moses here, God needed, needed him. He's asking him to be the conduit of the miraculous by, by lifting out, by stretching out his hand and his staff over the sea so it'd be split. But when they got to the other side on dry ground, again, God was asking Moses to do the same thing. Stretch out your hand with your staff and allow the sea to come back together to uh, destroy the enemy. God needed obedience from Moses time and time again. When they get to the other side, they're without, when they get to the wilderness, as the story continues, again, they're in need of water. 
as, uh, as the story continues, uh, the book of Numbers talks about a similar instance where they're in need of water. And Moses tries to act out of memory rather than simple immediate obedience in the moment. And God judges him for it. As the people of God, we don't graduate from simple immediate obedience. God's calling us to that, to be a people that are so attuned to his voice and that uh, act out quickly in obedience to what he's calling us to do. It's that, that, that act of obedience that God is calling us into a lifestyle of, I believe. Secondly is lifestyle of contending. As the people of God, God has created us to thrive with a promise always on the horizon. You see, the miraculous, his, his miraculous deliverance, his miraculous power is never an end in itself. It's always a means to an end. It's always a pathway to the, to the next step in this journey towards God's promises for us. And so we pursue the miraculous. We pursue to be uh, people of the miraculous, but we don't pursue the miraculous as an end, as an end in itself. We pursue it as a, a pathway towards the promises of God. And that's the way it was meant to be for the children of God. I've said that for several weeks, that the specifics of this story are very unique. But in principle, God is continually asking us to be a people of the miraculous, where the, the only explanation for our life is God. God is the only, only reasonable explanation to make sense of our uh, just seemingly impossible lives that we live, because we're always stepping out and putting ourselves in a place that gives God space to move, gives God space to work. And so for the children of Israel, when they, when they get through to the other side of the Red Sea, it's not like the story's over. It's not like God delivered them from Egypt and that's the end of the story. No, on the other side of the Red Sea, it was really just the beginning of the journey. It was just really the beginning of the next set of promises that God had for them. He had God promised that he'd deliver them from Egypt. He did that. And there waiting on the other side was another promise. It's the promise of a promised land, that they'd become a promised nation. They'd be home to a Messiah, and they'd be a blessing to all the nations. You see, all these successive promises were always waiting for them on the other side of breakthrough. And so we contend as a people. And that's a word that we use a lot around here at our church, in our church community. We talk a lot about contending, because I believe for, for the children of God, God has called us to be a people that press in that we don't give excuses or reasons to explain away the promises of God. But instead, we see the promises of God as an invitation to press in and to pursue and to be people of faith that we ask, we seek, we knock. And, um, and every time we see a breakthrough, we don't rest in that. We don't throw it into neutral. We don't pat ourselves on the back. Instead, we see that as a pathway into another promise. We see that as an as a invitation to continue to press in. Um, and and that's, that's, I believe, our lifestyle as a child of God. It's contending continually. I believe another lifestyle change that God uh, was renewing in the children of God here in the story in Exodus 14 was of worship. God has created us to be a people that worship. We see that when the miraculous is evident before our eyes, that it invokes worship in our hearts. And that's what happened here in Exodus 15, right after they crossed through, through to the other side. We see a, uh, Exodus 15 verse 2, it says, the Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. That was the beautiful song that rose up from the heart of the children of Israel. 
It says their response to God's great power was that they, they saw how God had used the Lord against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in the servant Moses. It's when the miraculous happens, when a breakthrough happens, that worship is, is a natural response. But worship is meant to be a continual place that we live in. And God gifts us, he graces us with these moments of, of breakthrough and the miraculous that naturally invoke worship. But really, we're never supposed to leave that place. And I would contend that in this, I would propose that in this season where there's adversity, where there's difficulty, when there is attack from the enemy, that we allow this to be a season that, that pushes us in to gr- a greater level of worship. That we allow this to be a season where, where we, we worship in the waiting for the breakthrough. That we, we worship in, in the midst of the storm. I believe that's going to be a great testimony to our city. It's going to be a great testimony to our friends and our loved ones. And when we get to the other side, I believe there's going to be an even greater explosion of celebration and worship to the Lord when we get to the other side of this uh, pandemic. And that's something we're content- contending for. We're contending for an end to this pandemic. We're contending for divine protection around our city and around our church, around this region. We believe God's put that in, in the heart of our church to, be, uh, to, st- to stand in the gap for our city, to pray for protection. And we know when we get to the other side, that worship will be a natural response. But I would contend, and I would encourage us, I would challenge us to be a people that worship in the here and now. You know, it's been beautiful to think back over the last 30 years of the church here in the West and to see how there's been this beautiful expression of corporate worship that's happened in the church. You know, songwriting and heartfelt worship that's happened in, in the realms of, in, within the four walls of the church. And I, I believe it's been beautiful. But I, I would contend that there's a, uh, another dimension of worship that God's bringing us into in this season. And it's a level of intimate worship that's happening in the home. As I talk to different ones of you, I'm so encouraged to hear how God is meeting you in your homes. As, as you and your families are, are huddling together in your living rooms, how you're seeking the Lord and you're experiencing His presence and, and you're learning to worship. Maybe when the environment's not just right and you don't have Pastor Tony there uh, singing his, his, uh, his amazing music, but instead you're learning to worship out of your own heart. That's going to be something that stays with us, and I believe it's going to be something that uh, feeds the church in the days to come as we come to the other side of this pandemic. But that's where God's called us to live. This week I was reminded of a story uh, of a hero of the faith in the church, John Wesley. In the 1730s, he was, he was sailing on a ship from England to the United States, and, and they, in, in order to make that journey, they had to go through several storms. And on that boat, he, he met some believers, um, Moravian believers, or they were from the, the region of Germany, and they really loved Jesus. It was so ironic because John Wesley was sailing from England to the United States on mission, what he thought was to, to bring Christianity to the States. But he, in his biography, he talks about how he really didn't know Jesus. He didn't really have an encounter with the Lord. He really wasn't born again. Because in that moment, he realized the Moravians had something that he did not. He found that in the midst of the storm, they were, they were worshiping Jesus. Men, women, and children. Even at some points, the, the water was rushing into in the bottom level of the boat. And he was fearful for his life. Like, he didn't know what, hap- what would happen if he died. And there he saw men, women, and children worshiping Jesus. They saw 
men, women, and children seeking the Lord, singing a song of joy and of, of worship from their hearts. And it, it kind of shook him. He began to realize, they have something I don't. And uh, later on, he ended up encountering the Lord, really becoming born again. And his ministry um, was part of the, the first great awakening, which shook the entire planet. But that's, it's that testimony of the Moravians that's, that's a challenge to me, for me to be a person that's continually in the place of worship. And no matter the storm that I'm walking through, the adversity that I'm walking through, or on the other side of a breakthrough, I, I worship continually, and that's my lifestyle. So I believe there's so much in this passage that we can, we can take with us. But I believe in this moment, as we're in the midst of a Red Sea moment, in the midst of crisis, it was those areas of obedience and contending and worship that I, that I just wanted to encourage you with this morning. I believe God has so much for us, and I believe it's more this, this crisis and this pandemic, this pressure that, that the enemy's putting on us in this moment. It doesn't have to just be a life-altering moment that we look back on. Instead, it can be a lifestyle-altering moment if we allow it to be. Amen? Yeah, why don't in your living room right now, you just shout out an amen. We are going to end this morning uh, by receiving communion together as a church family all across our city. Uh, surrounding communities. I felt like it'd be beautiful for us to do communion, even in this unique format. Before we do that, though, I want to give anybody that's with us this morning that has not surrendered their life to Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. It's the biggest decision you'll ever make in your life. Um, But I believe in this season, where a lot of people are questioning life, they're questioning, um, you know, everything they've built their lives upon is being stripped from them, is is being shaken. I always want to give an opportunity uh, for people to surrender their lives to Jesus Christ as Savior, as Lord. Um, there's, there's nowhere else we can turn. There's no one else that can clean our lives up f- for us. Jesus came. He lived a perfect life. He gave his life on a cross for you. Um, and if we place our faith in him, if we confess him as Lord, as Savior, if we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, Scripture says that we will be saved. And so I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. If you are with us and you want to surrender your life to Christ or you just know that you're far away from him and you want to recommit your life to Christ, would you pray a prayer like this? And you can pray from your own heart. It's not so much my prayer, but I'm just kind of showing him, demonstrating to you how you can pray in your own heart. Pray like this. Lord Jesus, this morning I come to an end in myself. I realize that I can't clean my life up before you. And so I come to you this morning perfect Jesus, Savior, as Lord, King of the universe, and I surrender my life to you. No turning back. I want to experience this new life. I want to be born again. I want to put you on the throne of my heart. No turning back. Amen. It's a big decision. If you made that decision, would you please reach out to us? Would you send us a text? There's a phone number on the screen here. You can send us a text Or you can email the church, just letting us know that you made a decision to follow Jesus this morning. Uh, And we'd love to follow up with you. We'd love to be able to plug you into our community and help you in your walk with Jesus. Um, That's amazing. So we celebrate with you if you made that decision. Let us receive communion together as a church family all across our city and surrounding communities. So why don't you go ahead and grab your bread, grab your cup. We are going to do this. I've never 
led our church in communion uh, online in this format. Um, but I felt like you know, communion serves the church uh, as a symbol of, of the unity that we have in Christ. And I felt like in this season of isolation, where naturally we're divided uh, just geographically and locale, I felt like it'd be significant for us to receive communion together. It's, I, I, bl- I believe it would be significant for you to receive communion in the intimacy with your family. So I wanted to lead you in that this morning. Uh, in the early church, they would call, uh, whenever they would receive communion together uh, as a community, they call it a love feast. It's such a symbol, it's such a picture in the New Testament church of the love that we have for each other because of the work of Christ through, through us and in us. And so, why don't you take the bread right now? This, the bread symbolizes the body of Christ. It sim- symbolizes his, the flesh that he took on for you and me. He wasn't an aberration. He was, it wasn't an illusion. Uh, it really was God in the flesh. And he really did hang on a tree. He really was pierced for us. All that stuff was real. It was tangible. And communion serves the church, it serves for us as individuals as a reminder of that. It reminds, reminds our senses of that reality, that he really did take on flesh. So Lord, right now we thank you for your body, your perfect body that endured 33 years on this planet without ever falling to sin. Lord, we thank you for your perfect body. Thank you for being pierced for us, for being um, whipped for us, for the crown of thorns on your head. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for your perfect body. In your precious name, amen. You can receive the bread. Now, why don't you, why don't you take the cup? The cup represents his blood. And in the old covenant, God set in motion this uh, system of forgiveness for sins. And he said, without the, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. And so this morning we take the cup as a reminder of our need for a savior and then Jesus' sufficiency to be, to be that mediator between God and man. So right now we take the cup, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your perfect blood shed for our forgiveness. We thank you for your blood that provides healing for our bodies. And right now, in individuals all across our city and in surrounding communities, even across this nation, if there's college students joining with us right now, God, if there's anybody that needs a healing in their body, right now I just pray that healing in the name of Jesus. That as we receive communion as a church family, it would just become such a conduit of the power of God, that it just becomes such a revelation to our hearts, that it would invoke or it would stoke faith in our hearts to believe that you are our Savior, you are our healer. And so bodies being made right right now, pain being gone in the name of Jesus from people's bodies, Lord, anxiety, sleepless nights would be gone in the name of Jesus. We thank you so much for your blood, Lord Jesus. Why don't you drink the cup? Yeah, God is so good. Isn't he? He's so good. I'd encourage you, you know, after, after church is done this morning, since you're gathered together as, as family or friends, why don't you just talk about the goodness of God, how good he is. And in this season where so much is being taken away from us, I think it's important for us to 
consider all that God has given us and the goodness of God that's been revealed to us to be people that are alive in this moment in history. We have so much to be thankful for and hopefully communion stokes that in our hearts in a greater way. Hey, there's so much that we have that I know that God has for us in the days to come. I would encourage you to continue to keep your eyes on our website at livethemessage.org slash coronavirus. There we've set up a special page for this season. It's there on that page that we'll continue to give updates as the governor, uh, the president and the governor and local officials as they as they give guidance and as they enact different measures as we walk through this uh, pandemic. Um, as a society, that's where we'll be keeping those updates. And so you can be checking in there regularly. We'll also be posting that on social media, linking it to our website. There's also on that page a form that can be used in the days to come uh, for people that need, need any sort of help. So if there's any way we can help you as a church family, um, run some errands for you or deliver some groceries to you, or if there's financial needs that you come across, please use that form. That becomes a channel for us to be able to help you, help each other as a church family. Hey, I love you so much. Thanks so much for being with us this morning. God bless. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at livethemessage.org.